Greetings, I'm Will Tompkins, and this is the Narrow Way Podcast. This series of episodes is our study of John Bunyan's timeless book, The Pilgrim's Progress, Part 2, Christiana's Story. Links to our source text will be found in the description field of the first episode in this series. In this episode, we'll be discussing the interpreter, his house, and the significant rooms that he shares with Christiana and her band of pilgrims. First, a moment of prayer. O Father God, holy, holy is thy name, and grateful are we for your presence here with us. We come before you, Father, as your faithful and humble children, seeking both wisdom and discernment during this time of study. Let us be ever receptive, Father, to the Holy Spirit and strengthened by his messages. All glory and honor to you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's begin this lesson with an insightful comment from J. A. Bain on the very similar natures of the gatekeeper and the interpreter. He wrote, They are not mere men, as is evangelist, but rather they are men, but they are only allegorically such. About them there is no hint of weakness nor of sin. They are superhuman. The divine is there, he writes, lurking obscurely but unmistakably within the human. And now the storyline. As Christiana and her band of pilgrims approach the door to the interpreter's house, they hear people inside talking about her, about how they've heard she's taken up the way of a sojourner, a pilgrim, and has embarked on the same pilgrimage as did her husband, Christian, so many years before. Indeed, they referred to her as that woman who was some time ago so unwilling to hear of going on pilgrimage. Then they heard the good people within commending her, who they little thought were now standing just outside their door. Now, after a bit, Christiana knocks on the door, and it was answered by a young damsel named Innocent, who asked, With whom would you speak in this place? Christiana answers that she understands this is a privileged place. And why is it privileged? Because it's only for those who have become pilgrims, those who have pronounced their belief and faith in our Lord, Christ Jesus. And after Christiana announces who she is and those with her, Innocent excitedly runs back inside and says to the others, and I paraphrase, can you even imagine who's at the door? Why, it's Christiana and her children and a companion. They all leaped for joy and ran to get the master of the house, the interpreter, who asked her, Art thou that Christiana whom Christian, the good man, left behind him when he betook himself to a pilgrim's life? Acknowledging her fault, Christiana answers, Yes, I am that woman that was so hard-hearted as to slight my husband's troubles 
and that left him to go on his journey alone. And these are his four children. But now I also come, for I am convinced that no way is right but this. Amen. And the interpreter answered, Then is fulfilled that which is written, Son, go work today in my vineyard. And he answered and said, I will not. But afterward he repented and went. And to that Christiana answers, Amen, and asks that God may make it so for her as well. That scripture is from Matthew twenty-one twenty-nine. And at that the interpreter invites them in, calling Christiana, daughter of Abraham. Now let me pause here for just a moment to shed some light on what might be an area of confusion, depending, that is, on what version of our text you might be reading. In one version of our text, the word he is capitalized when referring to the interpreter, and a subsequent footnote seems to infer that he is, in fact, the Holy Spirit. In the other version of our text, the he is not capitalized, and there is no such inference. This is also the case in my 1856 version. Furthermore, neither White nor Bain nor Cheever nor any other commentator I can find draws any such conclusion. They do, however, agree with Cheever who wrote, This good man of the house, the interpreter, we are without doubt to take as the representative of the Holy Spirit with his enlightening and sanctifying influences on the heart. Now, because supper wasn't yet ready, the interpreter took them to his significant rooms to show them what Christian had seen during his journey. As a reminder, here's the full list of the seven rooms or lessons that were provided to Christian on his journey. The portrait, the dusty parlor, passion and patience, the burning wall, a stately palace, the man in the cage, and a frightening dream. Now, as we join Christiana and the others on their lessons, keep in mind what White wrote. And since every minister of the gospel is an interpreter, and every evangelical church is an interpreter's house, let us gather up some of the precious lessons to ministers and to people with which this passage of the Pilgrim's Progress so much abounds. After our pilgrims had digested all of this, the interpreter took them to a room where there was a man with a muckrake who could only look down. And there stood over this man one who was offering him a celestial crown. But the man paid no heed to this offer. Why? Bunyan writes, He cannot look up to heaven because he is so obsessed with the muck of worldly profit. Heaven is but a fabrication to him. He can only look down because that represents earthly things and the power thereof they have upon men's minds. Christiana prays that she may be delivered from this muckrake, and the interpreter quotes her, Proverbs 38, which reads, Remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me. Next, the interpreter takes them to what is referred to as the very best room in the house, where Mercy said, Sir, I see nothing. But Christiana held back and said not a word. Then the interpreter said, Look again. And so she did. And this time Mercy answers, 
There is nothing but an ugly spider hanging by her hands upon the wall. And then he asked, Is there but one spider in this spacious room? And at this, Christiana's eyes filled with water, for she understood that how full of the venom of sin soever you be, yet you may, by the hand of faith, lay hold of and dwell in the best room that belongs to the king's house above. Amen. Christiana knew that this venom of sin was her fallen nature, but that the blood of Christ would cleanse her. Amen. Oh, loved ones, let us pray that we too understand the story of the spider and seek our refuge in Christ alone. Amen. Now the room with the hen and the chickens. Here they see a chick go to the trough for a drink, and every time she drank, she lifted her head and eyes heavenward, and the interpreter gives them the lesson. Learn to do the same so as to acknowledge where your grace comes from. Now the interpreter directs their attention back to the scene. They see the hen has four ways of communicating with her chicks. One, a common call. Two, a special call. Three, a brooding note. And four, an outcry. Relating these things to our king, we learn that the common call is for invitations, that is, cries to his people to seek his face and return to him. And we learn that the special call means he has something to give. And as for the brooding voice, these are his promises, the very promises of God. And number four, the outcries, we learn, are warnings of the gospel. For example, Proverbs 16.25, There is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Another example from Matthew 7.13, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Of this room with the hens and the chickens, the interpreter tells Christiana and Mercy, I choose, my darlings, to lead you into this room where such things are, because you are women, and they are easy for you. Now the interpreter leads them into the slaughterhouse where a butcher is killing a sheep, and they witness that the sheep uttered not a sound and took her death patiently. And at this the interpreter instructs them that they too must suffer and do so patiently. And Paul has reminded us of this in Romans 5, 1 through 4. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now the interpreter leads them into his garden, and here they find a great variety of flowers, different in color and size and smell, and yes, as Bunyan writes, even different in virtue. Indeed, he points out that some are better than others, and yet where the gardener planted them, they do not quarrel. Now the garden represents Christ's church, and the flowers, his followers. 
and we are to nourish one another. But as Bunyan wrote in another of his writings, I have observed that as there are herbs and flowers in our gardens, so there are counterfeits in the field. And only they are distinguished from the others by the name of wild ones. There is faith and wild faith, and wild faith is presumption. I call it wild faith because God never placed it in his garden, his church. Then the interpreter leads them to a field, a field where he had planted wheat and corn. But when they looked, they saw that all the tops had been chopped off, leaving only the straw. And he asked them, This ground was dunged and plowed and sowed, but what shall we do with the crop? Christiana answered, Burn some and make fertilizer of the rest. Now the interpreter said, Fruit, you see, is that thing you look for, and for want of that you condemn it to the fire, but to be trodden underfoot of men. Beware that in this you condemn not yourselves. Commentator Scott writes, So the sufferings of Christ, the preaching, promises, and ordinances of the gospel were not intended to bring men to profess certain doctrines or observe certain forms, but to render men fruitful in good works and by the influences of the Spirit of Christ. All profession will terminate in everlasting misery, which is not productive of this good fruit. True religion and undefiled consists not in forms, creeds, and ceremonies, but is to visit and comfort the widows and the fatherless. Amen. We must ask ourselves, loved ones, are we bearing good and productive fruit for God's kingdom? Or will it be condemned to fire and trodden under the foot of men? Now, as they were returning to the house, the interpreter points out a little robin with a spider in its mouth. Now, Mercy wondered at this sight, but it was Christiana who said, I like him worse than I did. She felt that its reputation as a sociable little creature who fed on our crumbs was diminished, and that because of this, it became of little worth. Why? Well, the interpreter tells her that the robin is an emblem one that highlights some professors, like the character talkative in part one, for they are pretty of note, color, and carriage. In other words, from a distance, the package looks quite nice and put together. But indeed, they are pretenders, just as talkative was. They go to church, say all the right things, but when they leave, they quickly change their diet and drink iniquity and as Bunyan writes, swallow down sin like water. After yet further instruction, the interpreter takes them back to his garden to show them a tree. Now, the inside of this tree had rotted and was all but gone, and yet it had grown and still had leaves. Mercy asks, what does this mean? A tree fair on the outside and rotten on the inside. The interpreter answers that this represents many who are in the garden of God. They speak glowingly of him, but do nothing for him. They want to sit at his table, but won't work in his fields. 
Their heart, he says, is good for nothing but tinder, tinder for the devil's tinderbox. Oh, loved ones, let us keep a close eye on our hearts, lest we find ourselves in that same tinderbox. Let us not be like the hearer of the word in James 1, 23-24, where he writes, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his own natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. Well, loved ones, as we come to the end of yet another episode, let us pray that the Spirit might lead us in our striving. O Lord, thank you for this time together, this time of learning, this time of understanding, all to strengthen and equip us for the journey that is both now and just ahead. Let us be ever aware of the darkness of this world, Father, ever aware that the truth belongs to you, And may we live out that truth day by day and moment by moment. In Jesus' name, amen. In our next episode, we'll cover Supper with the Interpreter. Until then, loved ones, may the Comforter be with you always to guide you in the way that leads to the city. (laughs) 